0: To another life-inspiring message brought to you by Central Assembly of God. For more information, you can check us out on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram using at Enid Central. But I'm I'm just really honored to be able to bring the word this morning. And I was going to go in a different direction, and then last week, uh, as Pastor Josh was ministering, I just uh, felt an inspiration to go a, a different way. And I want to talk today about just knowing the enemy and his schemes. Because I believe that we are in a super spiritual battle. And as uh, God's children, we need to know how to live, how to act, how to push back, what to do, what not to do. And so uh, we're going to kind of go through some things in scripture, but we're going to end on a high note. So we're going to talk about the devil for a little bit, but we're going to end on a high note, I promise. A few years ago, uh, uh, a woman that I'd been coaching for a while, a medical doctor, shared with me, she's from another country, a country in Africa, and she shared how after uh, she uh, being married for 30 years had lived in an abusive relationship with her husband and the abuse was accepted in their culture and he would physically abuse her, uh, emotionally, verbally abuse her and she endured this for 30 years and if she did something he didn't like and he he would hit her and then Uh, force her to apologize for something that she never even did. But to make peace, she would apologize. And then to make sure she learned her lesson, he would give her the silent treatment for weeks. And she endured this for decades. And so as she's sharing this with me, I said, so what brought this to light now? And what happened that now this is uh, something that you're wanting to contend with and she and she was attending uh, college to getting or seminary actually to get a second doctorate degree so this woman was highly educated and uh, she said I was in a class on emotional health and the uh, as I was listening to the professor talk about health versus unhealth she said I realized I may have a problem in my marriage and she said I talked to the professor after class And the professor looked at me and said, the way you are living is not normal. And so uh, I'm happy to say that she she and her husband have received help, and they're on the road to to healing, and, and both of them have received the help they wanted. But I think of another woman from a Middle Eastern culture, and she was raised in an abusive home, and she would watch as her dad would abuse her mother, and this girl vowed to herself, if and when I get married, I will never, I'll never let that happen to me. And uh, so she in her culture, marriages were arranged and when she was 17, she was arranged in marriage to a man uh, six years older than her. And he also had come from an abusive uh, situation. He was also Middle Eastern and in the Middle Eastern culture, uh, abuse is pretty well accepted even to this day. And uh, so the day came shortly after they were married uh, that she did something he didn't agree with and he just walloped her. And she shook her fist in his face and said, touch me like that again, Buster, and I'll knock you flat. And he never raised a finger against her again. Isn't it interesting, two women from cultures where it was accepted, one endured it for 30 years and the other one pushed back He never touched her again. I'm afraid what's going on in our world today, we are becoming weak and we're losing our ability to push back. And we're starting to live in what we're thinking is a new normal, that being abused by the devil is becoming a norm and it's something that we have to endure. And I want to talk today about pushing back. In Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 13, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil, In the heavenly realms, we are not arguing with Dr. Fauci. We are not arguing and fighting with Donald Trump or with Joe Biden or with Nancy Pelosi. There is something in the heavenly realm that is taking place, and we need to be wise to it. And then it goes on and says, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, I think it's here, uh, you may be able to stand your ground, and that means resist and oppose and in order to protect and then it says and after you've done everything stand that means dig in your heels and don't surrender to anything and I think too many people think that abuse from the devil is kind of a norm they live in a state of negativity or they uh, lose hope or they're they're depressed or they're discouraged and they think this is the way that life has to be, because everything in the world is like that. And so now it's kind of crept into our homes, and this is normal. But I want to tell you today, it's not like that in the Jesus culture, because He calls us to peace and to joy and to safety. In in the uh, the Corinthian church was put under a test, and in uh, 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 Paul said in Second uh, Corinthians two eleven, he said. Pass the test in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. And as children of God, we need to be aware of how the enemy is working and how he's creeping in and what he's doing so we can stand firm and uh, protect what is ours. So we need to not fall for his tricks. We need to not let him take advantage of us. And we need to not be victims He wants us to have a victim mentality in the kingdom of God. Now imagine that. We've heard for weeks how Pastor Josh has just, I mean, uh, so encouraging words of being overcomers and wearing the armor of God, but the devil wants to keep us down into a victim mentality, and I resist that today, and every one of us need to resist. We are not victims. We are not victims. So what I want to do is look at ways how Satan wants to try to abuse God's people and we're going to use examples that uh, that Jesus encountered with demons. Now we're not going to go all demon in here, but we are going to we're going to have to go in there just for a bit, but I'm going to we're going to counter it with with the truth. So don't think that we're all going to get into all the devil and everything. I don't want to talk about the devil a whole lot because he loves that. You know, and I think a mistake we make is we, we put Satan up at the level of God like he is the exact uh, uh, counter of God. He's not. Satan is nothing more than a created being, and God is up here. He is almighty. Satan's down here. So let's not elevate the devil higher than uh, what he should be. In fact, he's lower than this. He's, he's pretty low. Another thing that we think about the devil is that he rules and reigns in hell. No, he doesn't. Hell was created for him and his angels. And so he's basically homeless. And he's just kind of floating around, just creating havoc. And and we need to to be very much aware of this. When we were pastoring, uh, our women in the church would have, uh, periodically we would have all-night prayer meetings. And it was based on the premise that uh, when David and his troops had uh, gone to battle and they came back and discovered that the enemy had taken their families, their wives, and their children while they were gone, and the Bible says that David and his army fought all night to uh, bring back their family, what had been lost, and so based on that premise, uh, two or three times a year, we would have all night prayer meetings, and they would run from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. They were very structured. If they weren't, people would just come and just fall asleep in the church all night. But they they were structured, and we had teaching, and we had, you know, it was organized. And we always had a theme that would would be our main prayer focus. And so one particular night, uh, the theme, our focus was praying for lost children, grandchildren, prodigals, ones who had fallen away from the Lord, and just uh, praying that these who had been raised in church and now we're no longer in church that god would bring them back so that was our prayer focus and everything was going great and about 2 30 in the morning i heard uh, somebody uh, come in the church and i looked and it was a woman uh, came down the aisle and it was a woman that at least lou and i were aware there had been demonic activity in her life and so i kind of braced myself i thought man i have no idea what's going to go on now so anyway, she came up and she said, Mary, I really need prayer. I really need prayer. And I think, well, this is good. She wants prayer. So the, we had about 30 women at this prayer meeting, and we all converged on this poor saint. And so she's we're praying, and uh, starting at 2.30, we began to pray. We were singing. We were quoting scripture. And uh, there was uh, she was being delivered. I'll just, I'll just say that. She's being delivered, and we can tell more and more the peace of God was coming over her. And by 6 o'clock, There was such a peace in that sanctuary. we're all like, hallelujah. Oh, Lord, thank you. This is awesome. And I went home, and I told Lou, I said, you never believe what happened. And so I shared it with him, and we're like, yeah, this is great, man. We fought the devil. Sometime later, we had some missionaries from Kenya who were ministering at our church. And uh, they were at our house for dinner. So we were just kind of talking about ministry, and I shared with them what happened. And they're listening very intently. And when I finished... Telling them what happened, the missionary looked at me and said, and what was your purpose for the prayer meeting? And I said, uh, to pray for the uh, children, grandchildren, unsaved husbands, unsaved spouses, people who had fallen away who were no longer serving the Lord. And he said, and did you? And I said, well, we did until 2.30. And then, and it hit me, and I thought, man, we were sabotaged. And the missionary said, I'll never forget this. He said, if you give the devil a platform, he will perform for you. And I think we're turning our minds into little home theaters where we're allowing him to live rent free in our minds, giving negative thoughts, casting doubt in our mind, even though we have the power of God and the infilling of the Holy Spirit to combat it but yet we walk and live in defeat like everything is hopeless. I'm telling you what, I think these are the most amazing, incredible days to be living in. As we're watching things unfold around the world, we need to not cower. We need to not put our heads in the sand. We need to rise up, and we need to be aware of what the devil is doing and push back. So let's look at a couple of, uh, uh, I think, four that uh, Jesus experienced that he, when he encountered. We're not going to read the entire story. I just kind of p- pulled a, just one verse, and then we'll, we'll unpack it. But we'll end up on a high note because I'm going to give you three ways at the end how we can just knock Satan out. I mean, we can knock him out. So first of all, Satan incites hopelessness and depression. It says in Matthew 28 that two demon-possessed men came from the tombs to meet him they were living in the cemetery they were living where people are dead that's where they were and jesus encounters them and this is where when we live in the cemetery that's where the devil buries hope that's where the devil buries joy and that is not normal that is not the normal culture where we are to live here's the truth whoever hears my word And believes Him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. Listen to this He's crossed from death to life. So let's claim it. When the devil is trying to destroy and kill our hope, just say to Him, Satan, you're rotten. I hate you. I've crossed from death to life. Now get out of my house. I knew one woman who would take a broom. And she would literally sweep the house and say, devil, get out of my house. Whatever works for you. When Lou is gone, sometimes I just, I just have to, I yell at the devil, and I just call him. One time I actually told the devil where to go because that's where he belongs. And I think that's the one time we can tell someone where to go. And it's okay. Is this being recorded? Am I in trouble? Are my, are my credentials on the line? Well, there goes the reverend title right out the window. I, I, you know, we just become so wimpy, and then we're scared of the devil. Some people are like, oh, I don't want demonic activity. You know, it's not like you go around looking for it, but, man, when it's there, we need to recognize it. When our spirit doesn't bear witness with another spirit, I remember attending, I attended a conference, and I, 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 there was a workshop, and I walked in the room, and I looked at the facilitator, and she looked at me, and I'd never, we'd never met before. But, man, something in my spirit was just, it was like, oh, man, there's something wrong here. But I looked at the, the title of the workshop was How to Tell Your Story. And I thought, yeah, so, you know, I, I guess I'm going to be here. And there were two facilitators who were there. And I sat in that workshop, and I was listening to them. And I realized that they were incredibly new age. And I want to tell you what they did. And this is why it didn't bear witness with my spirit. One of them said, now, I know some of you are probably church people, and you probably believe in God. I want you to know that I go to church, and I'm thinking, okay, well, that's good. And uh, my pastor has shown me how to meditate, and this is how I meditate. So I have, I have a scripture, and this is the scripture she quoted. Um, she, uh, I've got to think of the scripture because it's not in my notes. Um, oh, man. Now, it just totally went out of my head. Anyway, she would quote a verse, and then she would take off one word at a time. And it ended up, the first word in the, in the sentence, it has just totally slipped my mind. Uh, I was going to make a funny statement, but I better not. Anyway, the first word was I. The last word was God. And it, uh, she said, so first of all, we take off the last word, God. We take off God. And then we quote it again, and then we take off the next word. So we end up with I. And I thought, man, you know, you never, ever remove God from any kind of scripture. We need to be sensitive enough, not fearful, but sensitive enough and aware and alert so we know what's going on. And then the devil incites self-destruction. It says in Mark 5 that night and day among the tombs—here we are in the cemetery again— and oh i just thought of it here's a scripture let me go back be still and know that i am god so it, the first word was be so she be still and know that i am god be still and know that i am be still and know that i be still and know that be, and then it ends up with be just be and so she's taking scriptures off and that was how she meditated it's a trick of the enemy Anytime he would begin to erase anything in scripture, it's a trick of the enemy. Okay, let's move on to uh, self-destruction. So night and day among the tombs and in the hills, the demoniac would cry out, cut himself with stones. I mean, what a terrible thing. But this is where we become our own worst enemy, and we kind of self-destruct. We have a lot of negative self-talk. We uh, we uh, cut our own faith, wondering you know, it, it, does God does God really answer prayer? We break our own heart when we're questioning. Does God even love me? This is self-destructive. It can destroy our own faith, and that's exactly what that what that demoniac was doing. And I'm telling you, people, it's not normal. Don't live there. Here's the truth in Psalm 103: The Lord is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He does not deal with us according to our sins. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. You know, just reading this is so comforting and peaceful. Why would we want to listen to the devil's lies? God doesn't love you. He does not answer your prayer. He doesn't care about you. He's forgotten about you. He's gone from your life. I mean, that is so confining. But when we read this, it's like there's hope. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. God's mercy and grace is a soothing balm to our broken spirits. So we need to not fall for Satan's attempts to sabotage our own faith. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you can can say that right in Satan's face. Hey, get out of here. Greater is he that's in me than you. So get out of here, leave. If we resist him, he has to leave. He's gone. We need to not entertain him. We need to not converse with him. Just tell him, go. And then he dulls our senses. It says they brought a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, And uh, then uh, uh, that's in Matthew, and then in Mark, there's another one that Jesus rebukes it and says, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus cast out demons with one word, and the word was go. Just go. So blind, mute, and deaf, losing the ability to see things clearly to hear the Spirit of God, to even speak the truth. It's like a hostage who's blindfolded. We've seen all those, you know, movies and TV series where they kidnap somebody and they're blindfolded. They have a bag over their head. They got duct tape on their mouth and they're handcuffed. And and they're just, the, the senses are totally and completely dulled. And this is where Satan wants to come and dull our spiritual appetite. He wants us to lose any sensitivity or any desire to be where uh, God wants us to be, in his presence. We lose desire to read the word. We lose desire to pray. We lose desire to even come to church and to be with God's people. When uh, Before Lou and I pastored, we worked at a ministry called Teen Challenge, and for those who aren't familiar with it, it's a residential program for uh, people with life-controlling problems. We worked there for a number of years. And the program was a year long. And uh, uh, it was a great program, very high success rate. And unfortunately, there would be some uh, students who would graduate from the program. And then in a period of time, they would uh, kind of fall back to their old ways. And they'd call the center and say, hey, man, I really messed up. Can I come back for just a while? So we created a reentry program for four months for the guys who had uh, slipped up, gone <clears throat> into their old ways, and then we, they'd come back. And um, I could say probably, and correct me if I'm wrong, Lou, but I would say 100% of the time when these guys would share their stories with the other students, they would say, you know, I was doing good, <clears throat> and then I got careless with my daily devotions. And I didn't spend time every day the word and praying. And then it was really kind of weird because then I started losing interest in even going to church. And then all of a sudden, my old drug friends showed up. And there they were. And before I knew it, I was right back where I had started before I even came into the program. I want to encourage you, and I don't want to sound legalistic, but I'm just going to sound legalistic. We cannot begin our day without meeting with God without having a scripture verse that we claim that we live that we meditate on where we just touch the presence of God I'm not talking about a two-hour Bible study I mean unless you want to do that that's awesome do that but if we would begin every day in the word have some kind of a systematic study or reading of the word one of the wisest things my dad told me and my dad told me a lot of wise things but one of the wisest things he shared with me when i was just a kid he said read the bible every day but it but it doesn't matter how much you read as much as what you get from what you read and if you read one verse and it stands out to you that's all you need just think on that verse the rest of the day It is, we learned last week from Pastor Josh, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. And that is what we use to defeat the devil. It is not normal to have, uh, to lose our spiritual appetite. It's not normal to live like that. So here's the truth. You, God, will keep us in perfect peace whose mind stays on you because he trusts in you. And here's another one. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The Word, his presence, the Holy Spirit will keep our spiritual senses sharp. And that sensitivity is what will make us aware of the devil's tricks. You know, if you really want to discern right from wrong, you need to study what's true. And if you study what's true you'll automatically know what's false. In fact, people who handle money, the way they teach them to identify um, uh, uh, counterfeit money <clears throat> is they will teach them, they will have them handle uh, authentic currency. And then after they've handled that and they know how it feels, they'll slip in a counterfeit. And they know that they've been able to identify when they can feel that, just feeling the difference. So we need to study what is true and then we will automatically, we, the confusion of true, false, it's going to be gone because we've studied the truth. And then uh, he incites fear. It says, the two demoniacs were so violent that nobody could even pass that way. Uncontrolled emotions of fear and anxiety and even anger, violent anger. Uh, just, it's, it's not normal. There's, uh, let me read in Galatians 5, it says, The fruit that comes from the Spirit of God is love and joy and peace and patience, kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such, there's no law. There's a law against abuse, but there's no law against these. And this is kind of where I want to just kind of uh, dwell uh, for for a time, in Matthew twenty four, the disciples came to Jesus and asked him, "How are we going to know uh, what are going to be the signs of the time? How are we going to know that we're at the end end of time?" And, and Jesus said, "Well, don't be don't be deceived. But this is what's going to happen. There will be famines. There will be earthquakes. Um, just all these different things. Nation against nation, wars, rumors of wars, and all of these. And then he said, "But these are just the beginning." Of birth pains now for those of us who have gone through childbirth we kind of know how especially if you've had more than one child you kind of you kind of know so you can feel a, 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 a contraction but you the doctor will say watch for a rhythm if there's you know 20 minutes apart 15 minutes apart and you want to watch and so I believe what Jesus was saying was the birth pains will increase in frequency and intensity I think we've already seen the famines and the earthquakes and the wars and the rumors of wars. But I think what has happened this past year has increased the birth pains in intensity and frequency. Think about it. We get hit with COVID and then the riots and then the protests. And then uh, now, we're, now we're living, we're living in a, a realm of fear and confusion. And then we have uh, defunding the police. And then we end up with a spirit of lawlessness. And then the economy tanks. And then uh, businesses are closing. And then uh, unemployment hits. And now the confusion even of should we wear a mask, should we not wear a mask? Should we open the school, should we not open the school? Does this work? Does that work? You can't make a decision in a spirit of confusion. And saints, we need to rise above that because the debt— I don't believe the devil created COVID, but I do, because I, I don't think he's got a creative uh, bone in his body, if he even has bones in his body. He is not creative, but he's a thief, and he'll steal anything, and he will use anything to his advantage. And I think what he has done is capture... COVID and capture the riots and capture the hatred for authority. He's captured all of these and he has put them into one huge ball and he's driving it. I believe there is an evil insidious spirit that we are seeing at work today. This is not a political thing. This is an evil demonic thing. I believe that with all my heart and it is pushing people to become irrational. It is pushing people to live in fear and confusion, and that's where the devil thrives, and I do not want to live where the devil lives, and if he's going to live in fear and confusion, he can have it all he wants, but I'm rising above it, and as a church, we need to rise above this thing and not have it feel like it's such a heaviness that we wake up every morning, oh, man, what's the news going to be today? Who cares what the news is going to be today? Jesus is still king. God is on the throne. He is the great I am. And we need to focus on that and not on, oh, man, are we we going to homeschool? Should we wear a mask? If I go to Walmart, am I going to get arrested if I don't? All of this stuff. The devil is laughing at us. It's his playground. Let's not stay there. It's a spirit of fear and confusion. The Bible says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard against him. And I think what we have seen in 2020 is a flood. It is a huge flood. It's a, it's a tsunami that has hit not just our nation, but our world. I mean, how, how weird is that? Who would have thought you know, on New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, when you got up and you were making your New Year's resolutions, did it ever occur to you to think that, wow, man, you know, I might not have a job and, or, you know, COVID. And uh, ne- never crossed our minds. We're just looking forward to another great year and Jesus. And bam, it hits. That's how quickly, that's how quickly it is. And so we have to know just from the speed of that, the rapidity of it, is that there's got to be something Evil. There's got to be something demonic behind it. So when it says the Lord will raise up a standard, the standard uh, is another term for a war flag. And when troops would go to battle uh, during the Civil War, for example, they would be out in battle. The battle would be so loud that they couldn't hear any vocal commands. They couldn't hear the bugle call. So the, command, the commanding general would hold up a banner He would hold up a flag, and so the troops, to know where to go and what to do, would just look for the flag. And if the flag was still, but they could see it high, but it was still, that was a signal for them to come and gather around the commanding general. And if the flag was moving, that was their signal, move with the general. Saints, he is raising a flag. God is raising a standard that is higher than covid it's higher than unemployment, it's higher than the economy, it's higher than the protests, it's higher than any of the statues that are being knocked down and destroyed and all that. We need to rise up and see the banner and see the flag that God has raised for us. And we need to not let the devil keep us down so we can't even see the flag. We need to, we need to really be careful with, with the battles that we have. And it says in Isaiah 35, say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. <laughs> He'll come with a vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. He's waving that standard. So let me give you three ways that we can combat the enemy. Number one, write out your testimony. Now I know that sounds kind of wonky, like, my testimony why I know my test write it out sit down paper pencil or computer word program whatever write out the difference that God has made in your life what you were BC before Christ what you did how bad you were and then compare it to the mercy and the grace of God who you were then and who God has made you to be now it's important that we know our testimony uh, the Bible says they overcame them by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. But you see, Satan doesn't just want us to be afraid today; he wants us to fear the future, and not just the future here on earth. There are a number of Christians who are scared to death of Judgment Day. They're, they really—they're like, "What's it going to be like on Judgment Day? You know, am I going to—you know—am I going to stand before God and?" All my past sins are going to be brought up, and the devil's got a lot of dirt on me. So what? Here's the thing. When you're in court, and you've got a judge, and you've got an accuser, the prosecuting attorney, you also happen to have this defense attorney, who would happen to be Jesus. And if the devil wants to bring up every single thing you've done, I think he forgets one thing. When you come to court, you have to have evidence and i believe whether he, whether he brings up everything or not because the bible says god chooses not to remember our sins they are gone we've been justified just as if we never sinned we are pure we've been washed in the blood but if the devil who wants to play dirty wants to bring up everything we've done big deal let him because our defense who will speak on our behalf will say father There is no evidence of this. This person has never sinned, just as if I never sinned, justified. They've been washed in the blood, and God the Father will look at the devil and say, where's your evidence? And the devil's going to look like a fool. And I don't know how or when the judgment is going to take place, but I do know this. We need to not fear. Now, I would caution you. If you have a little sin that you haven't confessed of and something that you're hiding or whatever— You might want to make that right before you do stand before the Lord but if you have been washed in the blood of the lamb you are justified stand with confidence because Jesus the the defender will be standing right next to you let him work as your defender because he's perfect in everything he does let him do it so write out your testimony and then after you write it out, the next time the devil comes to you, wave it in his face and say, touch me like that again, buster, and I'll knock you flat. Just wave your testimony in his face. Don't let him get one over on you. And then secondly, know the word. Know and use the word. I, I knew a, a man, uh, well, I sat under his teaching. I really didn't know him, but sat under his teaching, and his goal was to memorize the entire New Testament and the entire book of Psalms and the entire book of Proverbs. Now, more power to you, brother. That is awesome. I'm not a memorizer. I'm more of a concept person. I'm more of a paraphrase person, so I can't— I would have—if we had Bible—if I was in Bible quiz, I would have bombed out all the time because every, every word has to be exactly perfect. But we need to know the word, so at least have a goal— to know what every book in the Bible is about. And maybe know, know the theme, maybe know a key verse, and then know verses that stand out to you, that are an encouragement to you. Tuck those in your heart. We, we need to use and know, know the word because that is the sword of the Spirit. For generations, Bible scholars have debated when, uh, when the church, if, whether or not the church is going to go through the tribulation. And so in the assemblies, we believe that, uh, that the church will not go through the tribulation. The rapture will take place before the tribulation is called pre-trib rapture. There are some who believe mid-trib rapture, that the church will go through half the tribulation and then will be you know, caught away in the rapture. And then there are those who believe the church is going through the tribulation and uh, the the rapture is going to take place at the end of those seven years. So uh, just a lot of debate. And so I was praying one time and I I said, now, God, you know, this debate, this pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, just tell me, tell me, are, are are we or are we not? And this is what God said to me. He said, live every day as if I will come. So every morning, expect me to come. Now, what would they do to your mentality if every day you wake up, and sometimes I'll look at the clouds, and I say, is it today? Today, God, and I'll look at the clouds, and do I see anybody coming? You know, here, are you coming? You know, with that awareness that this might be the day, but prepare yourself as if you would go through the tribulation. And I said, How do we do that? And all he said was, know the word. Now, I don't know if as things get worse in the world, if there will be persecution that will come against the church, that will come against believers, there might be a shortage. They might confiscate Bibles. I don't know, because maybe someday these people who hate God are going to realize how powerful the word of God is, and they're going to be, let's take away their power. Well, He's within us, so they can take away all the Bibles. But if we have God's word hidden in our heart, it's okay. We'll be able to make it through that. So know the word. That is going to help you get through that. And then number three, keep looking up. Look for the standard. Look for the war flag. Jesus said in Luke 21, 28, when these things begin to take place, stand up lift up your heads that means look above covid look above the riots look above the confusion your redemption is drawing near we need to be excited today that we're living now watching this and we need to not take it sitting down jesus said stand up lift up your heads so what does it mean to find the war Like, how do we do that in a practical way and let me just, I'll just give you one illustration, and maybe you can kind of build on it as you, as you think and meditate. All of our lives, for those of us who've been raised and taught in church, we've heard about the antichrist. And, you know, and, and I've always wondered, how can this guy, this wicked, mean, evil, sinful guy, come and deceive, like, millions of people? How can he come and find a place of leadership, of authority in the world and people would be deceived. I'm thinking, man, I, I would know I, I wouldn't be deceived. And how I mean, people would know the guy's wicked. People would know the guy it means no good. Well, the Antichrist is referred to in Thessalonians as the man of lawlessness. And it hit me for the man of lawlessness to be able to come and take his place of authority in the world there has to be a spirit of lawlessness that welcomes him and what we are seeing saints a spirit of lawlessness a disrespect for the police a pushback fighting against the ones who are the law enforcers and there is a spirit of lawlessness that has that is taken over i think we're we're isolated here in enid and i thank god uh, but but in other Portland and Seattle and Chicago and Detroit and Baltimore and Atlanta, uh, we're seeing there is a spirit of lawlessness, and the devil takes advantage of that, and that is going to welcome in uh, the antichrist. Now I'm not I, I'm not one on dates. I'm not going to say, but we need to be aware of the signs, and we need to be aware of what's happening around us. So when we look at the flag. When we look for the flag, what we need to do is put together the pieces of the puzzle. And when I realize man of lawlessness, spirit of lawlessness, wow, that connects. And so when I hear of lawlessness, I don't freak out. I'm not afraid. It's like, wow, God, this is really happening. This is really taking place in our world. And it makes me want to draw closer to him and pray for more insight so there's more understanding of what is taking place in the world. Katie, would you and, the, would you and your worship team come? I've asked Katie and the team to come and, and uh, lead in worship. But as they're coming and, and preparing, um, I, I just have one other thing to say. And that is, <laughs> this is really going to encourage you, things are going to get worse. They, they are. You know, we we need to we need to not be Pollyannas about this. Things will get worse because the Bible has already warned us and cautioned us. But we need to not be afraid. We need, you know, I think in America we have lived such nice, comfortable lives, uh, but um, uh, we're not used to when things are out of sorts and we feel a bit of discomfort and we feel a bit of pain and we feel a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Things are going to get worse. We need to expect it, and we need to accept it and rise higher, rise above it. We are privileged to be be living in this day and age. I remember a missionary sharing uh, a few years ago. She said, you know, I always thought when I get to heaven, I'm going to go to Daniel and ask, what was it like to live in the lion's den? Or go to Moses, what was it like to part the Red Sea or or go to the disciples what was it like to to walk with Jesus you know for those three and a half years and she said and then I realized they are going to ask us what was it like to live in the end times what was it like I can see John coming to us saying what was it like to live when the book of Revelation started to make sense When the pieces were coming together, I can hear Joel coming and saying, what was it like for the prophecies to be fulfilled? And we need to be prepared with an answer. When you're in heaven and they ask, what was it like to live in the end times? Saints, we are privileged and honored to be living at this time in this place. Let's take advantage of building the kingdom of God while the devil is hard at work trying to tear it down. Let's build it up in Jesus' name. Go ahead and sing, Katie.